Welcome! Welcome, lovely listeners, to a special throw-in episode of the Soccer Capital Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Turner, and joining me in our studios in deep southern Illinois is, as usual, is our producer, Mason. Hello again. And also joining us remotely from West St. Louis County is our very own Sean Campbell. How are you doing, Sean? Oh, I'm getting through the week. That's that's where I'm at. Yes. But we've also got a very special guest, uh, an old friend of ours and of yours as well. We've got Larry Henry Jr. Larry's the managing editor and has been for quite a while with uh, uh, SBISoccer.com. And uh, he's also a contributor with uh, MLSNextPro.com, amongst other things this very busy man does. So a warm uh, welcome to Larry Henry Jr. How are you doing today, Larry? Hey, guys. Uh, doing well. Uh, thanks a lot for having me again. Always uh, good to connect with you guys. And um, yeah, everything's going pretty good. We're uh, getting into the into my time of year, all days of summer. It's a nice, cool 60 degrees, 70s, um, MLS playoffs right around the corner, World Cup around the corner, next pro final around the corner. Uh, you name it, it's coming up. So Yeah, it's all coming. Baseball playoff time, all of that good oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's the most wonderful <laughs> time of the year. <laughs> oh, and uh, you know what? Uh, add to your CV, you've pretty much become a uh, an occasional contributor to this show. So your your resume can get a little longer if you so desire. Uh, right. We brought uh, Larry on to give us a little uh, uh, overview of uh, what we uh, saw transpire during the recent uh, uh, window of friendlies for the U.S. men's national team. And... Uh, wasn't a very good one. Not an optimal performance uh, for the lead-in prior to the U.S.'s first World Cup appearance in about eight years. Uh, what's the any one big thing that stood out to you that just uh, right in your face, Larry, over these uh, two games that were pretty dismal? Overall, I mean, one thing that just stood out to me was just the lack of creativity, the lack of uh, attacking um, abilities for, for the U.S. Um, obviously, the the Japan loss uh, definitely was um, was tough for sure. Uh, no shots on target. Uh, they got outshot eight to eight to nothing uh, on the day that they, they let up, you know, the goal in the 24th minute um, and then also conceded uh, right near the end of the game. Uh, and then the Saudi Arabia match uh, yesterday um, on uh, on Tuesday, I mean, it just seemed like, I guess you could say for <laughs> training purposes, it was a good exercise to get these guys more fitness. But outside of that, uh, it wasn't a particularly good window at all for um, for several guys in, in the squad fighting for roster spots at the World Cup. It wasn't a great window for Greg Berhalter. Um, not a lot really went their way, uh, on both sides of the field. Uh, I guess the only bright spot you could say was Matt Turner, um, with, with the, the shutout yesterday against Saudi Arabia. And then, and then, um, overall really kept the, the U S from, uh, avoiding a much larger defeat against Japan. So, um, but you don't want the lone bright spot of a camp to be your goalkeeper. Um, and, uh, but Matt Turner was the lone bright spot. 
to me. And, um, you know, overall, I just think it wasn't a particularly good winner for the U.S. And obviously, um, you know, now now it's gut check time. Uh, it's time to see, you know, obviously who's going to be on this final roster coming up in, in several weeks and obviously who's going to be healthy uh, by that time. But um, not not can not convincing whatsoever from the U.S. and, and pretty disappointing. Yeah, and if anybody missed it, it was a 2-0 loss to Japan uh, last Friday, I believe it was, and then on uh, Tuesday it was a scoreless draw against Saudi Arabia, who actually uh, topped Japan in uh, the uh, Asian qualifying, if i remembering correctly. But uh, Japan was awfully good, and the U.S. weren't up to that. Uh, it looked like in that game... And I didn't get to see the Saudi Arabia game. Maybe we saw some of the same. But there was just an incredible lack of intensity, a lack of movement amongst the entire squad in that Japan game. Uh, and uh, just no one had a... Just no one stood out at all. It seemed like they all had a bad game. Uh, I'd like to get your thoughts on something I heard, at kind of courtesy of the Total Soccer Show. Uh, I believe it was Taylor Rockwell called it a what he likes to say, a quicksand game where one person starts out, they're not doing things well, uh, out of position, then other people are out of position and uh, they keep trying to compensate or overcompensate and they just dig a di deeper and deeper hole and it seems like nothing seems to work. Uh, does that fit what you saw in Japan? And uh, since I didn't get to see the Saudi Arabia game, was it some something similar there as well? Absolutely. Uh, I think looking at it, um, I, I thought that obviously the team would be up for the Japan game. Uh, yet, I mean, you were correct that Saudi Arabia did finish uh, ahead of Japan and in qualifying. But I thought when you look at the Japan roster as a whole, um, a lot of those guys are playing in Europe. I think it was only five guys play their domestic soccer in the country of Japan. Um, so. Uh, compared to Saudi Arabia, where every player on the team played their domestic soccer in Saudi Arabia. Um, so there was obviously a lot of talent, a lot of guys in the Japan squad definitely up for the game. And you could see that from the opening whistle. I think, um, you know, Japan was on the front foot. They had possession. Um, they made use of their chances. Um, and, and uh, you know, obviously there was some sloppy defending from the U.S. I think it was Walker Zimmerman. Uh, at least I remember that stood out the most. Had he had a a bad error uh, in the back that that Matt Turner had to bail them out uh, from going down one nothing uh, before Japan ended up scoring in the twenty fourth minute. Um, but yeah, it just didn't seem like uh, the guys were clicking. Um, you know, no no real threat offensively. Uh, like I previously said, I think it was four only four shots in total, zero on target. Um, yes, they had more possession. Yes, they had more passes. Uh, but not really much from the from the guys. Uh, Jesus Ferreira had one good look that I remember and, and missed. Um, so uh, really doesn't kind of help his confidence with the national team. Obviously, one of those guys that's looking to make that um, you know make the 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 number nine uh, core uh, for the World Cup. Um, and, and like I said, the you know, defensively, just not really good. Um, they lost a lot of possession in their own half. I think it was going into halftime. I think it was like they lost 30, 39 times they lost possession, or it might have been over 40 losing in their own half. So uh, ja Japan came to play, and credit to them. They, they were up for it. 
they made the most of the of the friendly. The U.S. did not, and um, that carried over uh, to Saudi Arabia, where um, Saudi Arabia right off the bat, I think Matt Turner bailed him out in the first minute with a, with a key save. Um, yes, they had a couple shots on goal, but nothing really that convincing. Uh, the big worry with the Saudi Arabia game was was Giarena uh, being subbed out in the 30th minute. Um, doesn't sound like it's anything too serious. It was muscle tightness uh, per Greg Berhalter. But again, this is a, a 19-year-old kid that that's trying to get back to his best uh, with the national team and with Borussia Dortmund. Uh, we're starting to see that a little more with Dortmund. Um, obviously, he's going to be key uh, if he can be there for the World Cup. Um, but, uh, you know, again, not really much, uh, not even really much leadership, I would say, in either game because because nobody really stood out to really taking those chances, uh, taking the ball, trying to make a play with it, try, trying a shot on goal. Um, so, yeah, big worry worries, I think, going into the World Cup um, confidence-wise. Yes, you're missing a couple key guys, Eunice Musa, Anthony Robinson, um, from this camp. But, uh, again, it's it's next-man-up mentality uh, when it comes to World Cup time. So hopefully those guys – uh, can bounce back. Robinson, I know, just re- returned training today with Fulham, so that's good news. Um, but again, we're going to need some guys to step up, and it's uh, again, next man mentality. Yeah, the Japan game, I, what I saw, there was a lot of sloppiness from the U.S. Uh, a lot of individual errors on the parts of the players. Uh, those things are fixable. Uh, looked very nervy amongst the guys that were in there trying to fight for those two, you know, center back spots, uh, the uh, striker position, uh, backup at fullback. A lot of nerviness I saw from that. Uh, Hopefully, uh, my kind of thought is, you know, you said that the the lack of leadership, and that's something we've seen from this team, that, that lost generation will probably go to Qatar with probably only one person that's ever played in a World Cup, and that's DeAndre Yedlin, a backup. Uh, there just is no one there that has a lot of caps and a lot of seasoning, and that kind of shows, and it showed in a time like this when things aren't going your way, who rallies everybody together and keeps them up. Uh, it's something to look forward to. Uh, now, are these things are some of these things fixable? Like getting a standard rotation showing up in Qatar, uh, the nervousness of players that weren't fighting for a position. Uh, is it something that the lack of intensity in the friendlies? Is it something that's fixable that they could show up and give a completely type uh, different performance once they're on the big stage come uh, late November? I think it is fixable. Um, yes, these were friendlies um, in, in in European countries where, again, it kind of felt like the atmosphere of when when the pandemic was at full swing in Europe, players playing in empty stadiums, mm-hmm. no fans. Um, it's hard, obviously, to get yourself, you know, maybe amped up for that um, with, with only, a, I think it was last night, only a few thousand in the stadium. Uh, in Mercia, Spain, uh, I think even only a few thousand against Japan in Dusseldorf, Germany. So, yeah, I think um, it's definitely hard to play in that type of atmosphere. Um, you probably want the fans to be there, uh, even if they're on, even if these are road friendlies, because um, you know, again, it's just going to provide uh, an experience for you similar to the World Cup. Now, will it would have been a packed stadium? No, but. 
Um, it's still better than just playing in an empty stadium where literally on both broadcasts you could hear kind of the communication between the players, between the coaches to the players. Um, so uh, I do think things are fixable, though, because, yes, it's a little bit of a worrying window. Not much went right for them in terms of uh, goal scoring, creative abilities, uh, chances. But I think now for the American players and also Greg Berhalter, you know, the pressure is on. Um, you you want to make an impact at this World Cup. And we've, we've all been hearing about this, this um, you know, this this youthful uh, experience within the squad. Uh, Gio Reyna, Yunus Musa, Christian Pulisic, uh, you know, even younger guys uh, in the roster. So, um, you know, now it's their time to shine and the pressure is going to be on. It's not going to be easy uh, with, with starting up against Wales. Um, and by the way, Rob Page, the Wales manager w- was, uh, was at the match yesterday. So he was already scouting for the, uh, the, the match day one opener. But, um, yeah, I think they are fixable though. Cause I think the players know now that, okay, it, it, you know, it's gut check time. We really, you know, we got to be better than this. They, they, you know, I'm sure if you ask any one of them, they, they probably know that this wasn't good enough, but they, they have time to, to kind of, to get their form back at, at, at least starting with club level. A lot of these guys are going to have big ex- moments coming up in the champions league and, and also in MLS playoffs um, and in the Premier league and Bundesliga and so forth. So uh, I do think things are fixable, but again, I still am hoping we see some type of leadership in the, the offensive third, because um, you know, you look at these, these star teams out there, uh, you know, whether it's club level or international level, Manchester City, you have Kevin De Bruyne and Erling Haaland, uh, you know, Tottenham, you have Harry Kane and, and Sun Young-Min. Um, we, we, the U.S. needs kind of someone to step up and be that type of person, whether it's, you know, Christian Pulisic, whether it's uh, Brendan Aronson, whether it's, uh, you know, Gio Reyna, if he can stay healthy. Um, Eunice Musa. So, uh, and I think there's a lot of talent here, and there, there's going to be a lot of guys really uh, chomping at the bit, obviously, to be on this final roster, um, get there, and help the U.S. Um, you know, shock some people because uh, everywhere I'm reading, it's it's England. England's going to win the group. England's going to win the group. It's England, and then whoever else, kind of. Um, I, I do think the U.S. could contend uh, and give England a shock because, as we've seen from England uh, in the name. Nations League. They've they've struggled. They were relegated from their group. They got a lot of pressure on them right now uh, with with their manager. So uh, I think the U.S. um, you know can can be fixed uh, you know before the World Cup and and we'll turn it around. But again, not not the most convincing send off uh, this window. No, it isn't. Yeah, England didn't have hasn't been good form this year. Wales had a pretty disastrous window. Uh, Scotland, however, has been flying high lately and Iran, I just don't know. And that's a team that kind of scares me They're there. I think they're going to be a lot better than other people do. Uh, but there is a lot of talent and there is opportunity to get out of this group, a very real opportunity. And they just got to play together. Uh, one last, uh, quick question, put you a little on the spot, uh, uh, where do you weigh in for what we saw in this window? Was this mostly on the players? Was it mostly on the coach? Or was it just sort of uh, a bad camp that was on everybody and nobody performed? I think if it goes on everybody, I know obviously you see people try to dissect it uh, online with with the players, you know, who's not stepping up, uh, 
And, you know, Jesus Ferreira is scoring a bunch of goals for FC Dallas, but he's struggling with the national team. Josh Sargent really didn't get an opportunity. He only got 45 minutes in the window. I was kind of disappointed by that because this guy is playing yeah. a, a huge factor right now for Norwich City. I, I, I believe they're still undefeated at Norwich City when he scored. They were 5-0. and I know going uh, near, near the international break. So I'm sure that trend could continue uh, now as we go back into the European play, but uh, overall, I just think it's it's a mixture of both because we didn't see a lot from the players. We didn't see a lot of leadership. We saw a lot of sloppiness, which I was again shocked because these guys are are in their seasons now in Europe. They're playing regularly. They have a, a full schedule with the World Cup coming up, so they have a lot a lot of games. Um, I think it was for a lot of teams more games than usual uh, with with the the pack schedule. MLS guys they they've been playing regularly with the playoffs coming up. Um, so uh, again, I think the players weren't at their best, um, except for like I said, Matt Turner, uh, maybe Joe Scally. I thought he did some good things in the Saudi Arabia game off the bench, winning duels, winning chances, making something happen. Um, you know, brought some life to the team. Uh, but also, I think you know, again, pressure will be on Greg Berhalter because, again, as the coach, you have to come up with the ideas. You have to come up with, um, you know, new ideas when things aren't going well. Uh, so, and I didn't really see much uh, from him in terms of uh, n- new things. They just kind of stuck with what, what they they like to do. They want to pressure. They want to, you know, make use of their possession and and pressure when they don't have the ball. Um, but again, you, you have to have a different route uh, offensively, not just route A every single time. And we didn't really see that. So uh, I think as a group, though, um, they're going to kind of accept it, accept it, the disappointment from the window as a group. And, and I, I uh, kind of stand by that because I think I don't think you can really single out one group over the other. Um, I just wanted to ask Larry if – if you had to pick one or two guys that may or may not be on the fringe of this roster going into that that final roster announcement that's coming up in just over a month that could come in and kind of calm these guys down, get them ready, and maybe change the dynamic of the players either in the locker room or on the pitch for the better, if you could just pick one or two guys, who would it be? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, well, it's, you know, one guy for sure that I was very shocked didn't get called up and I and I'm probably not the only one saying this was Jordan Pifak. Um I think as a guy who again scoring goals in the Bundesliga is not easy. Um taking the step to a bigger league. Uh now he's playing European uh competitions again in the Europa League uh is not easy. And, and he's uh he's done exceptionally well with that transition, scoring some goals, bounced back from an early injury this season, scored um, was pretty sh- definitely shocked. I-, I know Greg Berhalter tried to kind of sugarcoat it a little bit, saying that we've already seen what Jordan Pifak can do, but we want to give chances to other people. Um, I-, I guess I understand that, but again, you want the guys, you know, on the highest confidence and the best form going into the World Cup. Uh, and this was a guy I think that uh, helped the national team for sure. Uh, different type of striker, uh, physical, good in the air. Um, something the U.S. has really kind of struggled with is scoring offset pieces and corners. I think he could have helped with that. Um, so I think that's one guy for sure who's going to be uh, chomping at the bit to get in there um, for the World Cup roster. I think he will get there because um, they're going to need somebody like that. Uh, and right now, I don't buy the the uh, the Ricardo Pepe 
uh, to the World Cup roster. Um, he's had a few good performances in, in the in the Netherlands uh, since he's joined on loan. But again, he's lacking confidence. You need guys, um, you know, uh, on at least on the national team level with, with good confidence, ready to go. I think P. Fox, a different again, different player than Pepe. Um, would bring a, a lot of, uh, you know, physicality. And and uh, like Christian Pulisic said in, in the post-match yesterday, they, they, want the, they want this team to be tough to play against, um, you know, feisty and gritty and all. And I think P-Fox a guy that can, that can do that um, as well. Uh, and then uh, another guy I just add in there real quick is a guy we didn't get to see much of uh, in this window – uh, was Malik Tillman, the the Rangers uh, midfielder attacker. Uh, I think he's a guy who can bring some creativity to the squad, um, can play a number of different roles, played as a false nine for Rangers uh, once this season, played as a winger and a midfielder. Um, didn't get to see much of him, so I was kind of shocked a little bit by that because, again, he's a young player. I think he's only going to grow with more experience. Uh, he's, he already helped Rangers get into the Champions League proper. Um, he's played against, you know, some big teams in that and then also against Celtic in the premiership. So um, I think that's a guy who, uh, again, a, a guy that's willing to try things, um, willing to try things in the final third. And I think, again, you need that because teams are going to be keying in on Christian Pulisic. They're going to be keying in on uh, Brandon Aronson. Um, obviously, both those guys from England. So the, the England and Wales teams are going to know them uh, pretty well. So, uh, so yeah, I think those two guys, Pfock and Tillman, are two guys I think that could really um, help this team, and uh, I think should be, um, you know, on that final roster. But again, a long way to go. Uh, obviously, we know injuries can happen, and knock on wood, everyone say their prayers. Uh, nothing happens uh, until by then. Any other questions for Larry on the uh, men's national team? Nope, that was my one question. <laughs> so, I do. I do just want to say regarding uh, uh, Malik Tillman is that uh, I'm a Celtics fan, so I don't <laughs> like him on Rangers. <laughs> but I've seen him play, and I think that he, yeah, like like you said, he'd be a real asset for the national team. Right, I, I think yep. he could be huge, um, Tillman. Uh, I just think, and it's funny. It's funny you say that because I have a couple close friends that are Celtic fans and um, they really like what Tillman, you know, brings. They're kind of scared of if he ever made the permanent move to Rangers and how that could affect the title races for years to come. But, uh, but then at the same time, you, you say, if I say something good about him, they're like, oh yeah, he's, he's, he's overrated. He's not that good. And I'm like, you're only saying that because <laughs> oh, he's, he's going to be, uh, you know, the guy that probably scores some winning goal against Celtic down the road or something. I hope I didn't jinx it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, uh, you got to stand by your club in the old firm, right? <laughs> if you don't, you might get hurt physically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, after all this talk, let's move on to something a little happier for everyone in, uh, our region. And that's the, uh, MLS next pro playoffs, you know, St. Louis is really starting to catch uh, expansion fever here as uh, the uh, roster build and all that's going to ramp up here in a very short amount of time as it gets closer and closer. And I know that you've been following MLS Next Pro and writing some of the articles. Uh, put you on the spot a little bit. Uh, how are you seeing this Western Conference final uh, shaping out with a very good Tacoma Defiance team coming in to play our uh, City 2 squad? And uh, go ahead and be honest. 
<laughs> if uh, I'll fight anybody that holds this against you. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, yeah, it's, it should be a good Western Conference final. Um, you know, been privileged to to work with the guys at MLS Next Pro this season. It's, it's been really fun to watch, um, you know, seeing a lot of these young kids in the league, um, you know, take that next step in their development. And uh, overall, I think watching City 2 has been really fun because obviously – um, again, I'm not far from Philadelphia, so seeing John Hackworth and Josh Yarrow uh, working together is, uh, is is kind of a blast from the past. Uh, but um, yeah, it's definitely been a fun squad to watch. Uh, I, I think it's going to be a really good game. I'm, I'm more eager for that than the East Final because um, I, I just think Columbus Crew 2 are uh, you know uh, on fire right now. I think they might roll over Toronto FC too. Um, just they're just playing amazing right now, especially at home. But uh, I think it's going to be a really good final. I was really shocked to see uh, Tacoma come back and, and win that over Houston Dynamo too. I actually fell asleep before the end, so I didn't see the uh, the dramatic comeback um, for Tacoma and then the penalty shootout win. But um, overall, it should be really good. Uh, I think St. Louis again will. Um, we'll have the, the, you know, momentum on their side, um, being, uh, you know, being the home team. And, uh, you know, I think again, like you guys said with the expansion, I think there's going to be a lot more buzz obviously around the team too. Cause you know, which, which of these guys will we see kind of make that jump to the first team next season? We've already seen a few signed to the first team. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, I'm really excited for this showdown. So, uh, if I give a prediction, uh, I am actually leaning with City too because I think uh, defensively they're going to make things tough for Tacoma. We know Tacoma has a really good attack. Marlon Vargas, uh, Alfonso Acampo Chavez, uh, the two leading guys there. But um, overall, I think City too uh, shut out last week uh, with the defensive shutout last week in the first round. Um, I think. You know, again, uh, strength for John Hackworth uh, and his team, uh, and, and I think City Two is going to get out of there with a two nothing win at home. And I hope you're right. Uh, yeah, I sure hope you're right. Because at least wood. Mason and I, at least Mason and I will be at the game. That and a, a few thousand very loud people. That stadium was packed last weekend for the North Texas game, and we expect this to be. The same. Yeah. Us and 4,500 of our closest friends. <laughs> yeah. On that. Uh, how good are Columbus? Because we just don't get to, we haven't followed much of the Eastern Conference here. We follow quite a bit of the West, but uh, the delineation between the two conferences, I think, has been a positive, but we haven't followed Columbus. Are they that good? Is it the product of a weaker conference? It appears from us that uh, follow the West. Or, or is it just uh, they just ran away? They're so good, they just ran away from what seems to be a little bit uh, weaker uh, conference there in the East. Yeah, it's it, it's it's tough to say. I mean, um, there were throughout the season, just like in both conferences, there were some pretty shocking results here and there um, at times. Um, I know, like I know Columbus uh, had lost. I think they they only lost three games in the regular season. Uh, they tied five. Uh, 16 wins, 62 goals scored. So that that led the league. Uh, 22 goals conceded, which was the few tied for the fewest with Houston, uh, plus 40 goal differential. So uh, they're the real deal. Um, 
watching them, I think Lauren Courtois, the coach there, has done a really good job of, of you know, getting these guys, like, well-drilled and ready for the next opportunity in their careers. Um, Jason Russell Rowe, you know, I've – I can't say enough about the guy uh, wins the golden boot um, scores a hat trick in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, Mo Farsi's a, a guy that's, uh, you know, got his chances with the first team uh, this season under Caleb Porter a few times. Uh, he had 10 assists. Um, so this team is well drilled. They're good from the back to the front. Uh, Patrick Schulte, the goalkeeper was um, finished second with seven clean sheets. He was in our best 11 uh, you know, so this is a good team. Isaiah Perante, uh, another good midfielder for them. So it's a really good team. Um, I, I do think that the East, uh, at times lacked maybe that, um, you know, maybe not competitiveness, but overall maybe talent, uh, as the whole West. Cause as you saw kind of, um, you know, near the end, you could kind of see which teams from the West were pulling away for the playoff spots, but it really went down to the wire for the playoff spots in the East. It was, uh, you know, just a few teams missed out just from a point or two. So it went down to the wire, but uh, I think um, Columbus crew two is going to be a tough out for St. Louis or Tacoma. Um, I think it's going to be a a great final. I'm excited. I I don't have much on the plans next weekend, so I'm ready to to sit in front of the TV and, and watch the final and all. And, um, so it should be good, but, uh, yeah, Columbus definitely, uh, really good from the front to the back. I I'm certainly not looking forward to possibly running into them in the final. I'll say that much. <laughs> yeah, it, <laughs> yeah. It'll be, it'll be interesting. Cause, um, I know a lot of people aren't giving maybe TFC too much of a chance. They did do, I think enough to get past Philadelphia union too. They scored the early goal and kind of sat on the lead and Matt freeze made a bunch of huge saves for the, for union too. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just think that Columbus, um, you know, I think they can be beat if you, obviously if you keep Russell Rowe, uh, in check, then that's a great start because, um, they haven't had, uh, tons of consistent scoring elsewhere, but they have guys that can beat you. And, uh, so, but I think that St. Louis would obviously be a much, uh, I think they'd be able to withstand that pressure, much better than Tacoma. Tacoma obviously likes likes to have the ball, likes to be uh, attack minded. Uh, maybe not the best defensively uh, on a consistent basis. Whereas I, I like what St. Louis uh, does defensively. You know they frustrate you. Uh, Kyle uh, Hebert and and Josh Yarrow, uh, two key guys, obviously. And, and you guys have seen a lot of those. Uh, other guys more than me, but I know those two guys stand mm-hmm. out uh, every week. It's like you know seeing what this guy do. I don't, I don't think, uh, Heber played, Heber played every game. I think he only, I think he only missed like five or 10 minutes the whole season. It was, it was four, four minutes. That's insane. Yeah. That's insane. It, yeah. It really is nuts. And, and I'm excited <laughs> to see him. And obviously these guys signed, uh, for next year. Um, and then what, obviously what they bring. Um, so yeah, um, it, this is great. Obviously Hebert's a great story. Um, and you like to see that. I think that's kind of the, the purpose too of this league, right. Is to, to see these guys. Um, you know, I think it was, you see guys, even on other teams, 14 year olds, 15 year olds, 16 year olds playing on a weekly basis. I mean, that's, that's insane, you know? So, um, it should be fun. I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for St. Louis city. Obviously I, I think I told you guys before I'll be out there. I'm, I'm I already have it circled on the calendar for when the, 
the the MLS opener is for them. Obviously, the stadium looks amazing. I, I keep like saving the wallpaper and you know showing it off to people. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, we're looking. We're still very much looking forward to seeing you there. Yep, we got our season tickets. We were hopefully we'd have already seen Centene Stadium, but they had a construction mm. uh, mini disaster. <laughs> uh, the the first. Uh, playoff game, uh, actually the final regular season game against uh, Sporting KC2 was supposed to be there, but uh, the last minute they had to cancel it, uh, got flooded in their uh, power plant for the stadium. So we don't know if it's going to be open for any of these playoff games. We're not counting on it. Um, you said you're going to be watching the game from at home. Uh, I pity you trying to watch the live stream. <laughs> for MLS Next Pro. Uh, camera angles have not been optimal. And uh, another local podcast, Flyover Footy, uh, just this past week uh, aired a interview with uh, MLS Next Pro president, Charles Alchek. And uh, he said something that kind of shocked us. I'd like to know if you've heard about this. He said that all the MLS Next Pro games next season will be on Apple TV. Had you heard that previously? Uh, I did, yeah. Yeah, and we hadn't heard that. You had the insider information, right? <laughs> I, you know, I, I probably saw it. I, it was probably somebody retweeting that podcast episode uh, on my feed, and I just happened to see it. And then uh, I think one of the MLS Next Pro broadcasters, who uh, you know, who I'm kind of close with, he uh, he might have shared something about that as well. Like after after it was announced, so I was pretty shocked by that because. Um, you're already going to be forced, forcing people to go there to watch MLS. And now you're going to, you know, I mean, uh, you're going to be having people go there for everything. I guess, I guess I see it in a way to bunch them all together, but I don't know. I'm, I'm not really a huge fan of the, uh, a lot of these, you know, leagues now going to streaming, uh, whether it's the premier league or the Bundesliga or La Liga. And it's like, you know, you, you like to see the big games actually on TV, TV. Yeah. Yeah, I I very much kind of agree with you, but um regarding that it was it was really a surprise to us because we had previously only heard about um select they, games. Yeah, when they originally announced it it was select MLS Next Pro game, so we figured it would be like a game of the week situation again. But um hearing it was going to be all of them was was very much big news and um I uh yeah, I'm a uh, I'm dubious about like everything being on Apple TV, but I am also kind of hopeful that it will improve the broadcast quality. Yeah, the production right. value. MLS is still going to handle it, but uh, yeah, just the the one camera at a terrible angle, AI driven, uh, made it very hard uh, to actually see who the players were, and for a kind of a scouting uh, developmental league, uh, which is part of its you know, focus, uh, it made it hard for anybody to tell who the players were and actually be scouted. Though uh, uh, Charles Alchek did say that uh, they're not really trying to make this just a developmental league. This is supposed to be a real league, a tier three league. And uh, I'd have to say that the competition, at least what we saw in the Western Conference, was quite good. Uh, San Jose was good. Minnesota was quite good. And they didn't make the playoffs, so uh, that was uh, surprising to a lot of us observers. Did you see about the same? Yeah, yeah. I think every week it was, um, 
you know, we would kind of joke me and a close friend from next pro, we would joke and say, okay, which team is going to pull the upset this week or which team is going to, you know, I mean, score, score five goals this week. And, you know, they've only scored, you know, one in the last three. Um, I still can't believe the Timbers too beat Tacoma. (laughs) Right. Right. And I was about to say was, I think down the stretch of the season, you saw the teams that were eliminated from the playoffs, um, you know, and, and in that case, Timbers too, and, and Monarchs who were well out of it. I think it was Monarchs might have won three of their last five or, or four of their last six. Uh, Tim, Timbers obviously beat Tacoma. Um, I think, too, it was pretty funny was early in the season, the the MLS Next Pro Invitational with the Premier League two sides uh, came over. It was Chelsea and Wolves, and Monarchs actually, I think, knocked off both of them. And I'm thinking if they can do this and not win, you know, I mean, more than five games in next pro, something's wrong here, you know, but, yeah. um, but there, but again, there were, there was a Chelsea and a Wolves side that are in their preseason camps while these teams were in, you know, a good chunk of their season. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see obviously the league grow. There's going to be more teams coming in next year. I'm, I'm already thinking of good ideas for, for articles involving the new teams. Cause I think it's, there's a bunch of them, Atlanta, Nashville, uh, some others, um, you know, Austin, so I be believe as well, Austin. Yeah. And I thought the unique thing was I, I had to write an article about Nashville's MLS next pro side playing in Alabama and, mm-hmm. um, not in, and not near Nashville. I know, you know, we see it with minor league baseball and some other thing, minor league hockey, but I thought it was pretty uh, unique that the minor league team for Nashville, instead of just playing at Geodis Park or, or somewhere close by, I'm sure there's a you know Vander, I mean Vanderbilt's in um, in Nashville. Um, but hey, I guess you got to do what you got to do. I guess so. Yeah, uh, we do uh, appreciate you taking all this time with us, Larry. But uh, let you go here pretty quickly. But uh, thought I'd talk a little bit uh, about. You're a preferred team. Uh like to get some thoughts on you about what's going on in MLS, but especially is the Philadelphia Union the class of the league right now as we're heading into the playoffs? Oh man, it's uh yeah, it's it, it's been a really kind of really fun season. Um as I put my fandom out on display uh for the Union. Um but yeah, you know, watching this team right over the last several years and seeing them take these positive steps or a couple of seasons with Jim Curtin and with the homegrowns and selling a couple guys, but then still being able to find the right players that fit the system, uh, fit, you know, kind of the family atmosphere they have in the club. Um, you know, a huge, uh, you know, huge round of applause putting, you know, getting, getting the right guys. Um, you saw Brendan Aronson, you saw Mark McKenzie, and, uh, you know, Casper Shabilko, and you just find the right guy. Um, and I think it's like everybody you look at on the roster is, you know, it's been really good to watch. They, uh, with the, with the, the COVID rules and, and being with his key guy with a lot of backups, uh, and then unfortunately losing. And then if wins, they're going to have, um, because, you know, teams are going to retool. There's going to be, you know, this is coming in season. Um, so they, they just do everything right. They, Jim Curtin wants to build the team around uh, Andre Blake, I think has to be in the conversation for MVP um, because you know, he's already won goalkeeper of the year before he's, you know, stolen a lot of 
points for them. Uh, most recently, the, the goalless draw with Atlanta, um, standing on his head late. So uh, this team's fun, man. It's gonna be it's gonna be really cool to obviously be down there. Uh, I'm gonna be down there on decision day against TFC, uh, which you know could be the day that um, you know they lift the supporter shield for the second time in club history, and then you know, obviously going to be there for the playoffs. So uh, it's going to be a great ride. Um, hopefully they don't have any slip-ups if they do win the Supporters' Shield and, and get knocked out in the first round of the playoffs like they did uh, in 2020. But um, this this lineup is is playing with great confidence right now, scoring a lot of goals, um, and it's just fun to watch. So I think uh, as, as, as great as people say LAFC is, and, and they have world-class talent on the team, uh, the Philadelphia Union just have that better, I think, team atmosphere. They they know their jobs. They're going to sacrifice for each other, and I think that goes obviously a, a longer way than the than the world class talent. And uh, LAFC is kind of limping over the finish line, where the Philadelphia Union are, are are strolling right now, and they got two very winnable games against Charlotte and uh, TFC to to close out the schedule and lock up the uh, supporter shield. Yeah, and I think the Union LAFC would be an exciting uh, MLS Cup matchup. Uh, but LAFC, like you said, has been uh, struggling for form, fitting everybody in here at the end of the season. Uh, do you think they'll prevail? They don't have a great playoff record, uh, having never made the Cup. Or is there someone else out West that you cast a wary eye towards? Maybe Austin or uh Team that's been pretty hot, uh, getting at the right time of the season, the Portland Timbers maybe sneaking in again. Yeah, I think um, LAFC, again, like you said, trying to get form going here. Um, you know, they know obviously the pressure's on uh, with the, the the roster moves that they made with Garrett Bale coming in, Cialini coming in, some other key guys, um, Christian Tello. Um, they, they don't have it easy. Uh, they, they go to Portland on Sunday, uh, this week, uh, and then they close out versus Nashville and, uh, you know, Portland and Nashville, I, I don't believe have, have locked up playoff spots yet. Um, and, uh, they're going to obviously playing for seeding as well. So, uh, it's not going to be easy. Whereas the union have Charlotte, uh, who are fighting for a playoff spot and they have TFC who's already eliminated. Uh, so the union have the easier road. Um, but again, can the union kind of, you know, the, with the international break, can they get back at it? Obviously they, they dropped a few points in Atlanta in a game that they were favored in. So, um, so, but I think look at the West, uh, I, I, I know LAFC union would be a great final. Uh, I think, uh, you, if you had to put me on the, let's see, looking at the standings, um, you know, I think Dallas would be would be pretty cool matchup. Uh, they've already beaten the Union once this season uh, in Texas. Uh, really good, obviously attacking guys there: Jesus Ferreira, Paul Ariola, uh, um, Alan Velasco. Uh, but I think Austin would be would be good too. And like you said, Portland sneaking up the table just like they do, kind of at the end of the season. Um, so I think that'd be a pretty uh, team to watch out for as well. Um, one team I wouldn't be worried about is the LA Galaxy because uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're above the they're above the red line for now, um, and I feel like they should be with the with the roster, but they do not convince me whatsoever. And uh, I would much rather see uh, RSL or, or even the Sounders uh, sneak in over the Galaxy, and the Galaxy somehow capitulate for uh, well, it'd be the third season in a row, right? No playoffs, at least. 
at least the third season in a row. Yeah, I'm with you. I, they don't convince me at all. Uh, anybody else have any questions for Larry? Otherwise, I'm going to let him let him uh, have a have an evening for himself. <laughs> I think that's everything from me. Yep, we pretty much covered everything I wanted to talk about. So, uh, thank you for your time, Larry. We always appreciate it, and uh, maybe we'll have to have you on again here before the uh, end of the MLS season, or around the end of the MLS season, before we head in the World Cup and talk to you again, if you like. No, absolutely, guys. Thank, thanks so much for having me. I always uh, enjoy jumping on the show and, and talking with you from national team to Americans abroad to St. Louis City too. Uh, and and uh, and if the if my prediction holds up and they go all the way, I'm not bailing any of you out of jail. So, <laughs> damn it, you were my last lifeline, Larry. I because if I'm going to jail, these these two monkeys are sitting next to me. We all know that. I don't have any connections with uh, St. Louis, unfortunately. Yeah, so, I was gonna uh, say it'd be a pretty long drive for you to come and get us, right? Now, now, Mason, how much how much effort would it be to put up a GoFundMe as a preemptive bail fund? Uh, that, that 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 that'll work. That yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah, that I'll might that. work. <laughs> It'll be under anonymous. It won't be under my name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there we go. Keep it secret. Keep it safe. Right. All right. Thanks a lot, Larry. I guess everybody can find you at uh, SBI Soccer and uh, MLS Next Pro. Any other outlets you got other than, of course, why don't you give your uh, Twitter handle? Because that's uh, where you really do some great work as well. Yeah. LHenry019 is my Twitter uh, account. So if you're ever looking for any news or want to start any conversations i'm always down obviously there's more on my uh plate now with the nfl season in in full swing and the uh the philadelphia eagles three and oh so uh so yeah but uh yeah and also like you said sbi soccer mls next pro uh is where you can find uh 99 of my soccer writing all right thanks so much that's uh larry henry jr we appreciate his time and uh I'm your host, Mike Turner. I'm your producer, Mason. And I'm your resident cave-dwelling hooligan, Sean. And we are the Soccer uh, Soccer Capital Podcast. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Bye for now.